Welcome to DoD Secure, the podcast that talks about security clearances and how to protect classified information and national security issues. And I'm your host, Jeff Bennett. Welcome again. Welcome again to DoD Secure. Uh, We're back talking about the security clearance process, and we're still on the subject of adjudication. Right now, we're going to look at it from the adjudicator's point of view, meaning if I'm going to grant security clearances, what do I need to show that the applicant or the subject of the security clearance is not a national security risk? When we talk about the adjudicators, we are talking about the person who makes the decision to grant the security clearance or not to grant the security clearance. And they are always going to make this determination based on the interest of national security. So if there is an argument as to whether or not the subject or the applicant is a risk to national security, the decision of whether or not to award the security clearance is going to be swayed more towards what is best for national security. So from the applicant's point of view, they need to provide responses to questions that are complete, accurate, and with data that shows that they are no longer or never have been a risk to national security. And what, what I mean by this is The adjudicators, again, are looking at the 13 adjudicative criteria, and the investigators take the application or the SF-86 that the applicant fills out, and they research it. They do background checks of financial information, of law enforcement information. They look at drug activity, if there are any criminal activity influenced by other nations or favoritism towards other nations, and a lot of these A lot of this information for the investigation is pulled from questions in the SF-86 application. So the application was designed to bring up issues that investigators can look at. But it's also designed to allow the applicant to provide supporting documents of whether or not they are a risk to national security. Hi, everybody. I just want to tell you about one of our sponsors. They're called Security First and Associates. And what they do is provide FSO and CSSO consulting and training services. You know, hiring a full-time FSO can be expensive. And maybe an alternative is to use their managed security services. So they have a team of security professionals. They can help minimize risk by assisting with many vital services from fingerprinting and background checks to DCSA security vulnerability assessments. You name it, they can do it. Um, The reason they do it is because security is their life and they love what they do. They offer J-PASS training, facility security officer training, um, and they'll tailor training towards your need. If you go to their website at securityfirstassociates.com and just look at what they have, And if you have something that they don't offer, suggest it to them and they'll be able to help you out with it. If you need more information about them, you can email us at editor at redbikepublishing.com. So let's look at the process again from the beginning. Suppose an applicant 
you or somebody else has just got a job where they need a security clearance and they've never had a security clearance before. The first thing they're going to do is they're going to get hired by a company that requires their skills to work on a classified contract. Once they get hired, the facility security officer or the representative or designee will enter them into the database, which kind of triggers the investigation process. And part of that um, application is providing a computer link for the applicant to go online and complete the online version of the standard form 86, the questionnaire of national security clearances. And they're going to fill out that questionnaire as thoroughly as possible. And we talked about last time what that means. And it's with as much information as necessary to give the investigators a good feel of who the applicant is and some issues they need to further look at. So when they fill out the application, again, the adjudicator is going to apply the whole person concept once the inspection results come back. Now, we talked about before that the applicant who's just been given the security clearance questionnaire has some control. They mostly control the timeline and um, the duration of the investigation when they put in the effort to prepare ahead of time with all the references necessary to answer questions accurately and completely. This information could be you know, birth certificates, marriage certificates, uh, counseling statements, um, police reports, tickets, drug usage, things like that, that may trigger a positive response to some of these questions. And so they'll need to know dates, times. They'll need to know where they went to school, um, where they've had jobs, points of contacts, references for those jobs. So there is just a lot of information. And as I recommend in my book, Get the uh, SF-86 questionnaire. You can pull it up online. Um, You can Google it or use your favorite search engine and pull it down and look at the questions. And as you answer those questions, bring in all the documents that you need to answer those questions and keep them handy. And then practice filling it out. When it's time for you to get your clearance, you already have the answers and the references and the documentation that's there. And you can use that again for the interviews. Um, I would also recommend that if you have any questionable activity or applicant has questionable activity, that they will, again, fill out as much information as possible. But you might want to consider getting legal counsel from a lawyer or law firm that specializes in security clearances to help you get through that and answer the questions the right way with as much information as possible. The intent is not to obscure the fact or cover up the fact that you've had questionable activity, but they can guide you to help the adjudicator determine that that activity is in the past and is not going to happen again. And we'll talk about this uh, coming right up. So I want to tell you about a very special guest we're going to have. And so you'll want to catch this next you know, the following uh, podcast that we have coming up, and I'm going to interview Ray Simcoe. He's a security educator and a professional public speaker. You may know well. If you're in the security world, you've probably seen him at some security seminars. If not, you're in for a treat. This man knows how to present threats to our national security, and we'll teach you about... Uh, 
protecting our national security using his method called the DICE method, which is D-I-C-E, Defense Information Countering Espionage. So be sure to plan on being here for our next podcast. Subscribe as you will, and we'd love to see you there. The intent of the security clearance process, again, is not to hide the fact that um, red flags have been raised. For example, drinking issues, counseling issues, debt, or even criminal activities. The intent is not to punish somebody um, with a denial of a security clearance for having done something in the past. The intent is to demonstrate that though it did happen in the past, there's enough evidence to show that the applicant has changed their behavior. The closest analogy I can give is how I practice my religion of Christianity. The fact that I've done bad things does not prevent me from being a Christian or prevent me from receiving the grace that I get from God. It is that a change has taken place and that I no longer do those activities again. So the intent is to show here that the applicant has had some skirts with the law in the past or has had drug activity or has had made bad decisions. But now they are demonstrating that that is in the past, that they will be able to handle a security clearance without these issues coming up, without them being influenced by other people, being influenced to make bad decisions or have a favoritism to another government, that that was in the past. And some people ask me, you know, hey, what's the most unpardonable thing that you can do uh, to prevent you from getting a, a security clearance? And that would be a situation where you get your security clearance, but you still take drugs or you still abuse alcohol or you still um, get in trouble for misusing technology. Um, Some of the things that that attitude will prevent you from maintaining or receiving a security clearance. Other attitudes or other issues that may keep you from getting a clearance might be a cavalier attitude about your behavior. In other words, they can take me like they am if they want me to have a security clearance. I'm not changing or lying on the application. This is really hard to overcome where there's an intent to deceive and it can be punishable under the law. And maybe perhaps an incident that has occurred within the past 12 months. Recency is a big issue. One of the adjudicating um, factors is, you know, how long ago did this appear in the past? And is this person still doing it again? So I cannot imagine there is one, there might be a combination of things that would prevent you from getting a security clearance. But most of all, it's got to Uh, depend on your attitude because we have seen people get security clearances after demonstrating that they no longer do those activities. They have taken hard drugs. They have stolen. They have lied. They have cheated. They've had multiple affairs. Um, A lot of issues in their past, including drug use. However, they've come up with documents and statements from other people that, uh, provided enough information that the adjudicator can say, yeah, this person is not a high risk. And they lean towards offering that person their security clearance. Another issue is once you get your clearance, you are always under that microscope because you will be um, going undergoing further 
investigations in the future, as well as being observed by your coworkers. And so you want to maintain that um, attitude of, I have a security clearance and I need to live in such a way to demonstrate that I am uh, capable of keeping this clearance. Kind of like, again, Christianity. I've done things in my past, but I should not do them again. I should live my life in such a way that is above reproach. So the two are kind of parallel. I'm not saying one has anything to do with the other. I'm just trying to share from my experience. Um, if an applicant is indeed concerned that past events may lead them to the denial of the security clearance, they should begin coming up with artifacts that shows that they have changed. Now, there's no exhaustive list of artifacts, but, you know, say, for example, the uh, issue is foreign influence or foreign preference. Um, you might have uh, a situation where you're married to a non-U.S. person. Uh, you were born overseas. Um, you have financial dealings with other companies. You own companies that are overseas. You have served as a politician overseas. So these are things that might come up as red flags in your SF-86. One or all of those, for example. So how do you prove or demonstrate that that occurred in the past? That was your past life. And now you have made changes that you prefer the United States of America and you won't be influenced in any other way. So some of the things you could come up with are memorandums of records showing that um, you've expressed allegiance to the United States and, dem and write down and document how you believe that to be true. Then you might want to gather character letters or character references, um, statements and letters from people who know you very well, who can say, yeah, this guy is apple pie all the way. Um, he or she has stated a preference for the United States, and I have no doubt that they would make that they are good citizens and they would be very responsible with the security clearance. Um, if you have belonged to questionable clubs or supported groups that are hostile to the United States, you might need to have some statements showing that you dissolve those relationships. You might even need statements of dissolution to show that you no longer um, invest in or have business in other countries. Um, so these are the kind of things that you might need uh, just to get your minds thinking. You would want to gather those. Now, I know that there are people getting security clearances for being while they are being while they enjoy dual citizenship. So they were able to mitigate that risk enough for the adjudicator to go ahead and give them their security clearance. So you know it's not under the realm of possibilities. I would never say. Don't bother to apply for security clearance. But what I would do say is do everything you can to demonstrate that you are not a high risk to national security. So what does an adjudicator look at? There are about nine steps that they look at. Um, and again, I'm, I have this book out called The, Indus the uh, Insider's Guide to Security Clearances, and it demonstrates how the security clearance process work and it goes into way more detail so if you're interested please visit redbikepublishing.com and look for the book insider's guide to security clearances if you already have your security clearance and you have a business that um where you are working on classified information consider visiting our required training that the government requires people to have like such as um uh, 
initial security training, uh, follow-up security training, insider threat training, and there's way more. Now, we also have books um, for people who protect classified information, such as the um, DOD Security Clearance and Contracts Guidebook that shows how to perform on classified contracts and how to protect classified material. We also have copies of the National Industrial Security Program Operating Manual and the International Traffic and Arms Regulation. So consider visiting there and supporting our podcast by uh, buying our books. So there are several considerations, there are nine, that can help you, if you follow these, to adjudicate your clearance, because this is exactly what the adjudicators are looking at. Number one is the nature, extent, and the seriousness of the conduct. So you want to talk about how involved you were and how serious the issue is. The second one is the circumstances surrounding the contact conduct, including the knowledge uh, knowledgeable participation. You know, this is where you explain why you took the drugs, um, why you knew they were bad, but you did it anyway. And again, maybe why you won't do it again. Uh, the other one is the f- number three is the frequency and the recency of the conduct. How long ago did it happen and how many times did you do it? So I've been talking about getting legal advice for security clearance issues, and it makes me think of one of our sponsors whose name is Ron Sixtus. And Ron Sixtus is with SecurityClearanceDefenseLawyer.com. He consults in all areas of security clearance concerns and can be reached by phone at 256-398-3316 or through his website that I gave earlier. Number four is the individual's age and maturity at the time of the conduct. Maybe you're experimenting with drugs in high school or in college. You got into some bad business dealings. You might want to explain it there. The extent to which the participation is voluntary. You know, were you the life of the party? Did you supply your body with drugs? Or were you applied to use drugs through uh, the initial use of alcohol? This is your chance to explain that part. Uh, Number six, the presence or absence of rehabilitation and permanent behavior changes. This is where you go... For example, you demonstrate that you voluntarily went to counseling to deal with whatever problem that you had. And you'd want to demonstrate also that you complete that counseling and you get a note of completion from the counselor. This is where you can explain that, how you've changed and as a result of that counseling and how you realized what you were doing was wrong and what led to a major change in your life not to do it again. Um, seven is... The motivation for the conduct. Again, this goes with an earlier question. What caused you to do it? And if we can say that the motivation was, you know, indicative of something in your life and that something has changed, you could demonstrate that you will not be motivated to do that conduct again. Number eight is the potential for pressure, coercion, exploitation, or duress. Can your past behavior be brought up again? Um, Were you honest about everything there? Can somebody coerce you or pressure you in the same way as they did earlier to get you to repeat that activity? And hopefully the answer is no, and you can prove that the answer is no based on the change that you've had in your life. And number nine is the likelihood of continuation or recurrence. It goes with number eight. Is this going to happen again? 
And you want to provide the evidence that it will not happen again, that that was your past life. Um, you know, in summary, each of the 13 adjudicative uh, criteria is going to be looked at. And so uh, your responsibility as the applicant uh, is to show or to demonstrate to the adjudicator that the behavior happened. Yes, it's not going to happen again, though. We all understand that people have made mistakes and bad decisions. The part the adjudicator has to understand is that it won't happen again and you are no longer a risk to national security if you get your security clearance. Because the whole point is that you will not be influenced to release classified information in an unauthorized manner. Nobody can pressure you. You don't have relations with people overseas who may threaten family members to cause you to commit espionage or sabotage. You're not continually using drugs and hiding the fact so that you can't be blackmailed to release classified information. So you want to get your clearance and you want to demonstrate that you are now with your clearance living a life above reproach and not going back to the old ways. Thank you for joining DOD Secure, the podcast that talks about security clearances and protecting classified information according to the NISPOM. For more information, visit us at dodsecure.com or email us at editor at redbikepublishing.com. We would again like to thank our sponsors, securityclearancedefenselawyer.com and Security First and Associates at www.securityfirstassociates.com.